Goodman Radio Show. And here is the studio orchestra of the Spud Goodman Show, sartorially regaled in sequined jumpsuit and cantilevered pompadour, the world's only accordion-playing Elvis impersonator, Accordion Joe. Here comes the Spud Man, he goes down easy. He calls to you, who the social outcast. Yes, you who are rejected. He wants you, he needs you, he loves you. Here comes the Spud Man, he goes down easy. Here comes the Spud Man. It's the Spud Goodman Show. Let's get ready. Rumbo! And here he is, the head cheese meister. It's Spud Goodman. Greetings, and our Ola. I am Spud Goodman. <laughs> the Spud Man. <sighs> I'm laughing all the way to the bank. <laughs> Welcome to our regular listeners. Uh, we always enjoy our play date with you. And to you know, you new listeners out there, don't don't freak or anything if you absolutely hate this show at this moment. I mean, I've I've only gotten a few words in, so please give me at least the next you know four to five minutes before you bail on us, okay? With that being said, now let me bring on our designated laugher, my aunt Dorothy. Uh, I realize uh, you know you may have not warmed up adequately yet, so can can you give us a halfway decent snicker? Mm, how about this? <laughs> Oh, and I do appreciate you giving me some time to loosen up my vocal cords. Yeah, you know, I, I really need to put you in a, a position for success. I, I know in the past I've asked for a belly laugh or a strong chuckle right out of the gate. and You know, maybe that wasn't fair. A suggestion, though, this is what I was thinking. Maybe you could warm up a bit in the car, you know, on the drive to the studio. It, it might help, you know, getting you up to game speed uh, right from the start of the show. I think that... This is your way of telling me something. Oh, I don't think so. I have a routine before every show on the drive to the studio, Spud. I either listen and sing along with the Sex Pistols, Never Mind the Bollocks, or Nirvana's Bleach. I found those two CDs get my mind ready to do my thing here. It's not easy doing this designated laugher gig, you know. I have to get pumped up. Yes! I had no idea where you had to go emotionally to do this job. Right. You are a true method laugher, Aunt Dorothy. Thank you. Uh, and now I must introduce our show's temporary permanent co-host, Gerald Holcomb. Uh, go ahead and acknowledge my acknowledgement, preferably on maybe a post-it note or, or something. I don't know. No, no need to strain your vocal cords. Well, my vocal cords are just fine. I, I pride myself on never needing to warm up before I go on the air. It's a gift that I've been blessed with. My wife said God gave me this voice, and it's my duty to share it with the world, okay. and that is why I'm in radio, to give back. What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. But I think you could serve mankind best if you just stopped, you know, talking right now. So I have to introduce our show's, you know, intern Chance. I, well, I have no choice here. I have to say this. So let me get it in. Here is Chance the intern, our show's most popular person. Oh, okay. I mean, there are a few more lines I'm supposed to read about you too, Chance. But I'm just not feeling it. So just, just respond and let me get the show started. Uh, uh, Spud, 
b before Chance tries to butt in, let me say how excited I am to be here and that we have a really amazing show for everyone. I don't the think last I line. Asked. Well, yeah, it's something you should really be saying in your opening. I'm a team player, and I'm just filling in the gaps here. A real host tries to attract the interest of listeners right out of the gate. So, uh, you know, they don't, they don't switch to another station. Saying you're excited about this show is in your job description as a host. You, you, you kind of dropped the ball there. Shut up. While you guys are babbling on, can I say something? I am Chance the Intern, the most popular person on the show, which can be verified if anyone wants to go to our station website. Just look under listener surveys. And Okay, with that being said, I just want to say hello to everyone. I hope you're all doing well. Look, I, I, I don't need to, to give you any more airtime than what you've already wasted, all right? Let, just yeah. let me bring up the topic I wanted to discuss on this episode. Oh, Chance, sweetie, don't let Spud get under your skin. Just take the high road, knowing that no matter what he says or does, you will always be the most popular person on this show. He can't change that. Yeah, you are right, Dorothy. I'll let him think he's superior to me and just let natural events transpire. I know it won't end well for him. Oh, you continue to impress me with your maturity and ability okay. to see the big picture, uh, dear. Can I have my show back now? Jeez. Oh, fine. So what I wanted to talk about was a story in this magazine I was reading. It was about guys who, who can't get a date, like any date, and, and they're not happy about it. I think the reason why is I've just been like so unhappy. Not that anyone feels sorry for them, but it was it was a really interesting article. I I guess there are a bunch of these guys around. There are tons of them. There, they aren't like most of us that are single. I mean, we are you know aware of the reasons for it. Most of us. I mean, like not you not being that hot. I can accept that. But for some reason, the guys in this group are really bitter and, and like blame women for them being losers. They were, I think yeah, they were called incels or uncells or. Uh, no, I mean, that. wait, that was Wes Unseld from back in the NBA day, way back, old school. It was incel. Anyway, these guys are really, really angry. They can't get a date, so they hang out online and just bitch about women 24-7. Okay, why would any reasonably successful man have any difficulty finding someone to date? I, I may have mentioned this previously, but at my church... All of our single men and women go to single mingle night on the third Saturday of each month. There have been so many successful relationships born of this wonderful event. I'm going to have to go ahead and sort of disagree with you there. Uh, you know, Gerald, maybe those incel guys aren't into joining the Mormon church. That would be my guess. Hey, Spud, Spud, yeah. I've read about these type of men too. They seem so angry. No wonder no women will go out with them. I mean, yeah, it's, it's pretty clear that they have kind of given up and are mostly into it's her fault, you know, that kind of thing, that angle. Uh, I used to say that to myself after my last divorce, you know, when I when I couldn't get a date one year uh, from Halloween. No, yeah, it was like it was from Halloween till around Easter. That was, <laughs> that was a pretty long time. It was pretty bleak. You know, that maybe women... Uh, 
had an organized campaign. That's what that was. I was reading. Let me, I'm trying to remember back. They they think like women have like an organized campaign to to, to, to freeze them out. For for, for me, I, later I learned the reason was it was more about me putting on a few pounds and you know having like a really bad haircut. Both were fixable, and I, I you know. Let me just say this. I wasn't going to share this, but I may actually have a date for this weekend. It's still up in the air right now, but if like two or three things fall through for her, she said she might text me and we can, you know, maybe figure something out. <laughs> well, that is encouraging. Yeah, it actually is. She sounds like she's not totally repulsed by you. No. Don't mess this one up, Spud. She sounds like a keeper. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Spud. Well, as I have said so many times on this show, being single is a choice. I could set you up. A variety of no, single... No, no, that's not necessary. Listen, I've got single women that I could introduce you to. You just have to give me the word. Uh, and that word will continue to be no. Good call, yo. All right, okay. Enough said. Right now... uh. I just need to play some music. I'm feeling like I need to play some music. So here is a song from the legendary Tacoma, Washington band, Girl Trouble, who, by the way, are still in fine form these days. Uh, Here is Community Creep off their 2003. Yeah, it was in 2003 this thing came out. Uh, The Illusion of Excitement. Here is Community Creep. I like to stay up the street.
My name is Craig Ferguson, and I am on Spud's show. This is the Spud Goodman Show. Spud, your first guest, Doug E. Fresh, is waiting to speak with you. Now, is Mr. Fresh an actor? Uh, no, he's a hip-hop icon. Oh. He was an influential artist for many now ruling the music charts, man. I mean, I mean, he was given the title of the human beatbox. How cool is that? A human beatbox? Right. Oh, oh, is, is he one of those uh, cyborgs that you often refer to? Like, is he half man, half robot? No, he's just a man who can make amazing sounds with just his voice. He's not a cyborg. Okay. Well, that is reassuring, as I would not know how to deal with a guest who was a cyborg. I, I mean, uh. if I was ever able to ask a guest uh, a question who was one, I, I don't know what I would say. Like, maybe uh, w which half of your body is a robot and, and what part is human? Oh, that would be very offensive to any cyborg. Well, I mean, you just don't go there, dude. Uh, no, just, just put him through, please. Y all right, here he is. Welcome, legendary hip hop artist and record producer Dougie Fresh. Thanks much for coming on our show, man. Thank you, thank you for having me, Bud. Thank you. Yeah, well, you have a new record out available everywhere music is sold, titled "This One's for Chuck Brown," the late go-go music icon who is considered the godfather of this genre. Uh, was born in the Washington D.C. area in the '70s and is still going strong today. Can Can you give us a bit of background on Mr. Mr. Brown's legacy? Well, yes, thank you, because uh, this album, "This One's for Chuck Brown." is a very important album because Chuck Brown, as as it is titled, he is the godfather of Go-Go. And I felt like it was important for him to be acknowledged because Go-Go is considered the first cousin of hip-hop. And when we were coming up, we were playing a lot of Go-Go songs and we didn't know it was Go-Go at the time. He had a song called Bustin' Loose that I used to play in the jukebox as a kid growing up. And I would love to just hear the music and hear how he sound. And I never thought that in 1985, I would get an opportunity to perform with him at the Capitol Center, mm -hmm. which was the place that a lot of major concerts went on. And Run From Run DMC told me about him and told me about Gogo Music, that part about it. And he said, did I ever see it live? I said, no. And when I went there, you know, I, the, the, the memories are just so vivid in my mind because what he did that night changed my relationship about Gogo forever and I think that people need to know when someone has created something like this and it has so much impact and so many people are using it in different forms mm -hmm. I, I, I feel it's important for the creators to be acknowledged for their creation so that was one of the inspirations for this album plus the music is you know feel good music party music celebration uh and i think we're in a time where we need this i think people want to dance and they want to have a good time again because we've been going through yes. some interesting times yes we have to say the least you yeah know? Well, you know, uh, to state the obvious, uh, hip-hop music today dominates the charts around the world. Uh, did you see this coming when you first came on the music scene in the mid-1980s? 
I definitely see, I definitely felt that I was going to do everything in my power to make sure that hip-hop has a place in music. I mean, hip-hop was not accepted across many platforms in the very beginning. And even to this day, you know, it still has to fight for different positions and acknowledgement, you know, in different ways. But for it to be what it is now, I didn't really see it to this magnitude, but I'm really not surprised considering, you know, how much we put into it. I mean, the pioneers put so much heart and soul into it, and it wasn't about the money. It was about just the creative, the creativity, the the idea of just getting something new and fresh out there, you know? Well, well, who was your biggest influence? Just curious. In regards to music? Yes, yes. Uh, my biggest influence. I would have to say the pioneers in hip-hop are, are my big influence. Uh, DJ Hollywood, Lovebug Starsky, uh, Busy B, Curtis Blow, uh, Melly Mel from Grandmaster Flash and the Furious Five. Kumo D from the Treacherous Three, and I'd have to say Grandmaster Cash from the Cold Course Brothers, uh, and another guy named Special K from the Treacherous Three. I think, oh, and L.A. Sunshine. I think all of those guys, I know it's a lot of people I named, but yes. <laughs> all those guys I grew up watching, and I watched them close. I, you know, I was this kid that snuck into this place called Harlem World, that was equivalent to the Apollo at the time, and I went in there and I was able to see things that don't exist no more. So I learned things that that you can't really learn anymore. If this was karate, I was in the Shaolin Temple. You know what I mean? Okay, all That's right. how it was in hip-hop. That's well, how deep it is. And I was taught by the masters of this game. I was able to see them... I was able to witness it in its purest form. That's what made me create the beatbox because they put so much pressure on you that it made it made you feel you have to create your own identity. You can't just do what do what's created. Maybe you should create something that's never been created. Right. And that's what made me do it. Watching them. Well, you know, you were you were tapped early on in your career as the human beatbox. Um, so, I, you know, what when did you first develop the skill? Because as most most people who now attempt this at karaoke night, it just doesn't go well. I mean, very few people can do this well. <laughs> you said on karaoke night? Nah, that's funny. Well, no, uh, I developed the skill in 1981, and I introduced it in 82. And in 81, I was, I used to play the trumpet in, in my school. I was in junior high school and I played the trumpet and then they cut the music program. And when they did, I used to do the same exercises, but I would walk home and I would listen to the music as I'm walking down the street. And I would, I would, I would repeat what I'm hearing until I was able to do five, six, seven, eight, nine things at the same time. And then one day I did it on a mic at uh, at my boy Barry's house when I was practicing, and he he was blown away and he said you should call it the Human Beatbox and you should do it outside at the next party because it was more about the the jam the party 
then it was about the record at that time mm -hmm. you see and then it became about the record so that was the introduction and then once i did it it just turned into everybody and everything just you know exploding and catching on and everybody doing it in their own way well, I was, it's something I was thinking about. When you, when, you, when you go to parties or gatherings, do people still bug you to do a little bit of beatboxing after meeting them? I mean, that would get on my nerves as it would be like someone asking me to interview them at a, at a neighborhood barbecue or a wedding reception. Well, look, man, I'm going to tell you, Spud, everywhere I go, I can't even go into a joint or to a party or anything, and, and they don't ask me to really do something. And it ain't even just about beatboxing because of my level of entertainment as an overall body of of work you know i'll go in there and say yo man why don't you do a little bit of this yo come on why don't you get on you know because people always want you to do a little something you know what i mean they always be come on man let me hear you go <laughs> i'm i'm trying to restrain myself right now from i'm restraining myself from having to ask you so i'm not i'm not gonna do that but yeah i really am tempted <laughs> say spud what well like mr fresh I, too, am often asked to do one of my well-known impersonations at family and church gatherings. I'm still not sure what a human beatbox is, but I do know that everyone loves a good celebrity impression. Uh, excuse me for a brief moment, Dougie. Uh, what the heck are you saying? I've never heard you do impressions of celebrities. I mean, not like a real impression. and You, you just do these, like... This, I don't know. No. That's not something no, that's... No, 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 no. I'm able to do an incredible uh, Paul Hogan. Oh, not that one yeah. again. I, and I often serve as the MC at our church's cakewalks. You know, we try to do them quarterly. It's a great fundraiser. But anyway, I'm always besieged there to do my Paul Hogan. Okay, here's, here's a little bit for our listeners. Crikey, this is Paul Hogan. That's a knife. This ain't a knife. Yeah, I, I have a hard time believing you're being besieged to do that guy, okay? Yeah. I, I never liked those Crocodile Dundee movies, uh, especially the third one, Crocodile Dundee in Los Angeles. Boy, did that stink. Oh, no, I would strenuously disagree with that assessment. You are seriously mistaken. Well, we're just going to have to agree to disagree on that one. Now, let me return to Mr. Fresh. As you say. Well, all right. Well, I, I know yeah. you got. I know you got to go, man. Because uh, yeah, they're telling me so. Uh, let, let me say again that you have have a new record out available everywhere music is sold. Titled "This One's for Chuck Brown," the late Go Go music icon. Uh, just, just thanks so much for checking in with us. No, man. Thank you. Thank you for having me. And in regards to the music history. I just let out my other three albums, my earlier albums, and they're they're there to give people the history and the and the journey in hip hop all the way through. Super. All right. Well, there you have it, Mr. Dougie Fresh. This is the Spud Goodman Show. That should be fun. I think I'll try that. So, getting back to what we were talking about earlier. Um, I, I read about these incel dudes and, and, and instead of them like all hanging out at a bar somewhere and complaining to the bartender how crappy their love life is, they communicate online mostly. That's what it said. And, uh, you know, they, they, and boy, I got to say, 
the more I read, all these guys do is bitch about women. That's all they do. It's it's kind of like like a baseball player who has struck out eight times in a row and starts to blame the glare of the sun or a, or a full moon the night before. It's just, it's just embarrassingly weak. Stop being weak! Because they, they say it's always the woman's fault. Okay? I don't know. It's I say it's either step up your game or learn to live with a blow-up doll as their constant companion. Yeah, I would not know as my wife, Rachel, is the only female I've ever dated. And as I have mentioned, we first started going out in the 10th grade and we have never been apart. But if life had sent me in a different direction in high school, I'm quite sure I would have had no problem finding a girlfriend. Rachel says I am quite a catch. What are you people on dope? Well, if she prefers, say, bottom fish, like an undersized perch, or a bullhead, maybe, I think your wife should have at least had the opportunity to fish somewhere else, you know, just to experience something different. She has to have some regrets at this point in her life. What are you saying, Mrs. Jarvis? Are, Are you insinuating that my wife would rather have slept around prior to marrying me? That is very offensive. I'm just saying... Rest assured, Dorothy, it's a good thing I've had a few dates prior to us going out. I was able to lean on my experience with other women to know what not to do with you. And I couldn't ask for more of a man than you, Chance. You complete me. Anyway, so these incel guys basically, you know, get all riled up. From what I read, uh, you know, they, they never try to change their approach. You know, learn some new skills that, that might make them more appealing. There, there was this one guy in the article. Uh, I, I can't, uh, yeah. He, he was, I think, 30, 30, 34 years old, and he hadn't had a date since his freshman year in college. So he met this girl on, online, of course. I, I don't think these guys go to the grocery store or a laundromat. And anyway, he asked her out, and she says yes. He, he thinks that maybe you know game night would be a good first date. You know me, I'm I'm going movie all the way. Is you can't say too much during it and, and get a thumbs down right away. So, but anyway, he tells her that they're gonna play Dungeons and Dragons, and she's okay with it. Uh, again, really bad choice of a game for a first date, if you ask me. I mean. So so when she gets to his place, she finds that they're the only two there for game night. He, he tells her that you know, he, he's between friends right now, so they'll just have to play uh, you know, like a D&D duet, just the two of them. I didn't even know you could do that, but anyway. Th- then he tells her he will be the dungeon master and she will be the player. You know, well, anyway, long, long story short, the game didn't go well. He, he ends up being a, like a really rude dungeon master, according to her take that was in the story. Uh, I guess he was into constant combat, and she wanted to play you know, like a character who was more into to like fine wine and fancy cheeses. Uh, so I, 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 she, I guess she, she said she brought both of them with her. But anyway, um, as you, I would assume the the game and the date didn't end well, and she told him that they had nothing in common, nothing whatsoever, so it, it wouldn't work. He said in in the article that he thought the real reason it didn't work out was because she was very judgy. Uh, you know, uh, about specifically about the Trump sh- uh, T-shirt, Stop the Steal shirt that he had on. I mean, duh. And it only makes common sense. 
So he ends up trashing her online on on some message boards. Well, and you How know, long and then is go- this story going to go on? My what? phone's about dead and I forgot my charger. I'll blow my brains out if I have to sit here and listen any longer to this stupid story about some loser. Well, I'm, I'm almost done. Oh, wait, I wait. To... Chance is right. This is a really boring story. Well, You've probably lost half our listeners. Well, well number one, if I, if I worried about me losing listeners by something I say on this show, I would not be able to do my job. Um, I I just started off with the assumption most everyone you know listening is not really crazy about me, so I, I just... that. That just that doesn't doesn't concern me at all. Anyway, can I let me? I'm gonna finish. So the guy started this campaign on a bunch of message boards. It wasn't just one, a bunch of them, and and even made a, a TikTok video saying that that you know the women hated men. The woman you know in the article that that woman hated men and and was a horrible Dungeons and Dragons player. He, I mean, he's obviously a real jerk for sure. I'm thinking. All these incel guys are not very happy people. Uh, yeah, yeah. They all seem like a major buzzkill for other humans around them. And I'm probably not going to like you, no matter how many pull-ups or push-ups you do. Uh, Spud, may I ask, what is this Dungeons and Dragons activity you mentioned? It sounds very medieval. Do, like, do people walk around in armor what? and pretend to fight dragons? <laughs> you, you know... That actually sounds like a fun game. Why haven't I ever heard of it? Maybe I should try to introduce it at the next Holcomb Family Game Night. Yeah. If you could just go ahead and make sure you do that from now on, that would be great. Could you email me the rules? Uh, I'm no expert on the game myself, but I think it's kind of a complicated game for you and your family okay well, just stick to candy land or mousetrap yes gerald please don't try to play D for yourself for everyone's sake yeah well, really i could loan you an old fiend folio but you know dorothy fiend we haven't folio. played that game in a long time remember when we first started dating and we'd play it all the time you're such a great dungeon master oh why thank you honey Okay, uh, you guys really messed up that story. I don't even think I adequately finished it up, but what and whatever. Hey, can someone check and see if our next guest is ready to go? Spud, your next guest, Goran Visnich, is holding for you. You know, I think I recognize his name. Was he on that uh, Grey's Anatomy TV show? Uh, no, he was on that NBC show, ER, many ER. years ago. He replaced George Clooney on it. Oh, yeah, Don't yeah. you remember? Yeah, I remember him. You know, I believe my wife, Rachel, is a fan. As uh, She used to mention how handsome he is. And let me say, it never bothered me as I'm very secure in my own handsomeness. Uh, yeah, he is a good-looking man. I mean, but the guy I can guess. act too, okay? He, he's done a bunch of things since ER. Most recently, he has a new movie out that we're going to talk about. And also, he's a regular cast member on The Boys, you know, on Prime. That's a cool show for sure. The Boys? Yeah. Okay, is that a show about young boys growing up, like uh, Leave it to Beaver? No, dude. We had one of the lead actors, Anthony Starr, from The Boys on our show. Oh, yeah. It's about morally conflicted superheroes, all right? A a refreshing take on all those other squeaky clean characters out there. You know, I don't remember that guest. Why would somebody make a show 
about a jerky superhero. Just, just, just put him through, please. Here he is. Please welcome actor Goran Viznich. We appreciate you coming on our show. Thank you very much for having me. Yeah. You have a new movie out titled The Accursed, now in theaters and is available for streaming and on demand. Tell us a bit about the film. Well, it, it's, it's a movie about uh, this family that, that has a uh, curse uh, placed upon them. You know, there's Hannah who spends 20 years suppressing this, this really maleficent curse that was, that was placed upon her bloodline. And uh, we... We start the movie with this beautiful day that her daughter is getting married and the day that was supposed to be a celebration day turns into something completely different because there is somebody there, there's, there, there's a person who is trying to, to wake the curse to, 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 to get, it, get it going basically okay. and, uh, and, and the beautiful day turns into something completely different <laughs> for right. LA. All right. Okay. Very cool. Um, well, let sure. me let me ask you this: In your career, you've worked uh, b- extensively both in film and television. But l- looking back, American viewers, you know, first became aware of you probably on ER playing Dr. Luca Kovac, uh, replacing George Clooney on that show. Was there anyone in that cast that later did not become movie stars in addition to lead actors in multiple series, successful series? I mean, it was kind of a launching pad for so many. I mean, you know, it's. Uh, the careers are something that you know it's it's personal kind of like you know do you like where you are right now and uh, what do you want to do with your life how much is enough uh you know uh this life is this life is pretty tricky because you're constantly need to be fighting for the new projects new roles and stuff like that so there are people sometimes you know when they have enough they just kind of like retire quite early you know if they if they if they have enough of it, uh, some people just enjoy the rush of it, you know. And uh, I I just enjoy portraying good characters. So whatever scripts come my way, you know, if I like it, if I get excited about it, if I if I feel something in it that I would love to portray that or I would love to be a part of it, you know, great, you know, it's something that makes makes it easy to wake me up in the morning and uh, have a bit of a rush, you know? Right. Okay. Um, well, th- this is kind of a serious question. Pr- prior to getting the role on ER, you co-starred in the movie Welcome to Sarajevo, uh, a very moving film, uh, very moving. Uh, it-, it dealt with a war zone in, in Bosnia. You were born in Cro- Croatia, and-, and your country experienced significant upheaval in its fight for independence in the early 90s. Now, you're now a U.S. citizen, too, but were you there during this period of time? As From what I understand, it was basically hell on earth for a while. Yeah, yeah, I was there. I was, uh, you know, uh, I was the last generation of uh, compulsory service uh, Yugoslav army kids. You know, when in Yugoslavia before the war, when you were 18, you were supposed to uh, serve in the army for a year. Mm-hmm. So I was the last generation basically the war coffee on the wrong side. You know, I was, uh, when the war started, I was from Croatia, but I was actually in Serbia serving Yugoslav army, who at the time didn't know what the hell uh, is supposed to do, you know. So right. yeah, it, it was it was it was not 
a fun part of my life, put it that way. Right. But uh, luckily, it's it's over. <laughs> right. Okay. All right. I I just was I was curious. Well, hey, something I wanted to ask is timely. In 1999, you you were named most sexiest import by People Magazine. I don't know if you're friends with Paul Rudd, but I, I was thinking you might be able to give him some tips, you know, on how to deal with the pressures of this type of thing. <laughs> uh, yeah. I was an import. Paul is Paul is you know. Paul is uh, from here, so he, I, I, I'm sure he's going to be just fine. But you're both, well, you okay, but you, at least it's kind of a thing that you can share. I was just curious. All right. Yeah, you know what, Paul, Paul, I, I met Paul once. We, we did uh, we did uh, Bride uh, read, uh, which was an, an, an amazing night. Uh, it was a live reading of A Princess Bride, and uh, he's such a cool guy. He's a really, really nice guy. Uh, Spud? What? Well, if I may interject here, I read that People Magazine did name actor Paul Rudd as this year's Sexiest Man Alive. Right, I said well, that. I know, but it seems so wrong to award this honor to him. I mean, only Paul's wife should be the one to make a comment on such an intimate honor. I mean, sure, she would be a bit biased, but she is the appropriate person to vote on this award. Not some magazine, you know? I, I mean... I am certain my wife, Rachel, would strongly support me for Sexiest Man of the Decade, as, you know, she would know best. Uh, Gorn, I need a sec here. People Magazine has been doing this award since, I think, 1985. It seems to have worked out well for them. I mean, Paul Rudd being named this year was a big deal. It got more ink than runaway inflation and our supply chain issues. Well, that's my point. There are much more important issues of the day to be concerned with than this. This award. And, if I can be honest here, if any Hollywood star deserves this, it would be Tom Selleck, of course. It's a travesty that he hasn't been selected by now. Well, maybe AARP will put him on the cover of their dumb magazine, all right? Just let me get back to Gorin. Okay, I'm back. Um, Well, I know you got to get going, but I wanted to ask you one other question, because I read you enjoy fencing, and I've always wondered how they keep scoring that sport, and I I would think there could be some arguments from people fencing without a referee or something. I mean, how do you know who wins? Well, it used to be basically, you know, the first blood. So when, when your white shirt gets a little bit red, you know, oh. that means the other guy scored the point, you know. But if you move past that, it's basically the guy who falls down on the ground. <laughs> I don't know. I've, I've never done it as a sport. Uh, it's mainly, it was mainly uh, in theater. We did theater fencing. And then when we were crazy kids, you know, when we were bored on Academy of Dramatic Arts, we would actually put our motorcycle helmets and just kind of like start fencing with these kind of like uh, uh, school swords, which were pretty dull. But it was, you know, it was it was some bruising and some crazy things happening. But that that was that was a long time ago. All right. But all right. no, I've never I've never done competition sports. Okay, all right. Well, I know you got to scoot, so let me say again, you have a new movie out titled The Accursed, now in theaters, and is available for streaming and on-demand. Thank you so much for checking in with us. Thank you very much for having me. Appreciate it. Mr. Goran Viznich. Don't go away. 
or you'll miss the amazing conclusion of the Spud Goodman Radio Show right after this brief timeout. What's going on, man? It's your boy David Olivas. And DJ Jersey. Here rocking with Spud Goodman. With Aunt Dorothy. We got Gerald in the house. Chance the intern. Man, these guys are killing it out here on the Spud Goodman Show, man. Spud Goodman Show. Check me out at Real Olivas. DJ Jersey everything. Listening to Spud Goodman will might be hazardous for your health, but... We don't know. We don't care. It's the Spud Goodman Show. All the good stuff is hazardous for your health. We now return to more action-packed thrills and excitement on the Spud Goodman Radio Show. Uh, Spud, your last guest, Patrick Muldoon, is good to go. Uh, Now, can I ask who Patrick is? He's an actor, all right? He, okay. He's been in a bunch of stuff. Like, like he co-starred in Starship Troopers, you know, way back, and, mm. and also on that Melrose Place TV show. And, and he also has a new movie out right now that he wants to discuss. Yeah, okay. I believe I do remember Melrose Place. Wasn't that the show that glorified premarital sex in an apartment complex in that uh, Hollywood town? You know, in my book, it was just a show about group sex. I don't have the energy to debate your insane commentary Not here. Insane. What, what, what's wrong with you? Just just put Patrick through. All right, very well. If you insist, here he is. Yeah, I do. Say hello to actor Patrick Muldoon. Uh, thanks for checking in with us. I believe, are you like in Barcelona, Spain? I'm in Barcelona, Spain, but how you doing, man? Yeah, not bad. So you have a new movie I'm out. Doing a, I'm out here. What's that? No, I'm doing a. I'm out here in Barcelona, Spain. I'm shooting a movie with Liam Neeson called Marlo. But well, we could talk about that next year. But, uh, but that's what I'm doing out here. First time in Spain, and just you know, absolutely beautiful. All right. Well. Uh, you do have a new movie out, Deadlock, now in theaters and available on demand and digital. What's the storyline of the movie? The storyline is, it comes down to uh, Bruce Willis's character. And uh, we get a real treat seeing evil Bruce Willis. Oh, super. <laughs> and, you know, and, uh, you know, like in the Die Hard, where he's John McClane and you have Alec, Alan Rickman, it's, it's that type of character. Okay. Yeah. Well, Let's let's take a look back uh, in your career. Let's go way back. Uh, In in 1997, you co-starred in Starship Troopers, which was a a big hit. But but some critics at that time found it pretty hard. You know, they kind of called it a right-wing fantasy. But over time, people came to see it as more a satirical look at at like a fascist government. What was your take uh, after filming concluded? Well, I'll tell you this. It was... was for all intents and purposes, all of us, you know, Denise Richards, Casper Van Dien, Dick News, it was all of our first movies, right? And it was a hundred million dollar movie. Yeah. And we were in the hands of a master director, and we kind of knew that. But it wasn't until, because, you know, we didn't see the special effects or whatever. It was not until the premiere where I said I was so green, but where I looked and I go, oh my God. Nobody told me we were shooting a comedy. Uh. (laughs) It's not a comedy, but it's a satirical satire look at fascism. And and what was important about it is a lot of people couldn't wrap their head around it at the time. But it wasn't until uh, 9-11 where 
you know, America had to sell an Iraqi war to, to uh, you know, to its, yep. to its own people. And, yep. and that's what that's what Starship Troopers is. It's the selling of a war, right? Of course, in the, in the movie, it's giant spiders. Right. But it's any selling of a war to its people to motivate them to uh, uh, to go to war. So uh, it's, it's, it's just, you know, it, it's a cartoon that's deeply intelligent. And, right. and I don't think people really understood uh, the satirical nature until after 9/11. That's that's my that's my take. What do you think about that? Bro? Yeah, that's that's <laughs> right. You know, we had we had Casper on. I, I kind of ran that by him too. So, um, well, let, well, let me go back even further in your situation. I, I wanted to go back when you played tight end for the USC Trojans in the early 90s. Do you still hear that darn fight song in your sleep? Because as a UW Husky fan myself, it's like hearing fingernails on a chalkboard. But I'm guessing it brings back you know, like pleasant memories for you, right? You know, but it, we should. We should be in your nightmares. Dun, 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 dun. Come on, Spud. All you see you is know, purple back at one time. You know, Pac-10, Pac-12, but you heard we got a new coach, right? Yeah. From Oklahoma. Yeah. So, I think you spent some money on that. We've been in bad shape. We've, USC has been in bad shape. Uh, it's had a tough run after Pete Carroll. Right. So, you know, hopefully... Hopefully we, 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 we become uh, a real threat again. But I, it's, as much as I, I believe Cardinal and Gold, and I do, you know, we got a lot of work to do. So. All right, all right. I had to ask you, though. But okay. Um, well, you know, in 2020, you were in the movie Arkansas, directed by Clark Duke, who's been on our show. He's, he's a very talented guy. Um, it, it was a really good film. Were you as bummed as I that it wasn't a massive hit? People need to still go find it on demand. Well, that one I produced. I oh. didn't act in it. Oh, I'm so, sorry. Uh, well, no, still. No, I produced it, and, and, and Clark did a fantastic job. But it actually, I gotta tell you, Arkansas, it came out during the pandemic, mm-hmm. and it actually came out at a great time. So for Lionsgate, it's one of their best sellers. Oh, really? I did. Well, I thought, oh, I, okay, I thought underperformed, and I was bummed when I thought I read something about that. Okay, good, good. All right. Yeah, yeah. No, the Clark is a, he's a hilarious guy, and, um, you know, wrote and directed that, did an amazing job. Vince Vaughn. Yes. John Malkovich, Liam Hemsworth. And, uh, um, yeah. And it's well, called Arkansas, but we shot it in Alabama. <laughs> All right. Uh, well, people need to go find it. That's all I'm trying to say here. So, well, I'm going to... One more question on your acting career. You also worked on a soap opera, Days of Our Lives, for a few years. Was that your toughest mm-hmm. acting gig? Because we've had a few soap opera actors uh, on before, and they said it's all work and not much time for fun. Way harder than a network series or a film. Yeah. It's, it is... Uh, and I'll, I'll tell you what. Back in the day, we used to have a dress rehearsal. You know, I'm talking about in the 90s. And then I did a one-year run around 2013, and that's gone. So, uh, uh, because they, the shows are expensive to keep on the air, so they have to get everybody in and out. I don't know how they do it. You know, uh, they show up in the morning, 
all teams back to back and they give you one take. So is it the hardest job as far as an actor? Yes, I think so, for sure. Oh, Spud, I, I must interrupt here. Yeah, Seriously? I, I gotta say that in the radio business, I have no doubt that serving as a co-host is by far the toughest position there is. I know you may disagree, but I feel strongly about this. Hey, hey, Patrick, I'll be right back. You can't be serious. I am. A co-host has the toughest job in the radio business? Well, in my case, it's sure true. Having to sit here and constrain myself for the full hour, knowing I have so much to offer the audience, but I have a muzzle placed on my mouth. I mean, not literally, but, but figuratively. It's such a burden to bear. A muzzle, huh? Yeah. yeah. Hmm. Well, you know, I, I know a ball gag w would not go over well with HR here at the station, but, you know, a well-designed muzzle that would fit comfortably, you know, for you, might be something to look into. You, what? N no, I, I, I'm saying I'm already muzzled to the point where it's soul-crushing. Being, well, being creatively stifled like I am on each show, but... I will not wear an actual muzzle. That's that's one step too far, Spud. Okay, okay, chill, dude. It, it was just a thought. Now let me return to Patrick. Hey, I'm back. Um, well, I, I know since you are in Barcelona, you got stuff to do, so I'm going to let you go, but let me remind everyone that the your new movie, Deadlocked, is now uh, available in theaters and available on demand and digital. Thanks a bunch for calling into our show. Spud, you're the best, man. Thank you so much, Mr. Patrick Muldoon. My, how time flies. Spud? Yeah? Trevor is saying we have a caller holding that wants to talk with you. What should I do? Do you want me to have him dump it? We, you know, we got some time to fill. Maybe it'll be decent. Uh, tell him to put it through. Yeah, well, okay, but if he or she sucks, don't blame me for it. Well, I, I can't promise I won't. Uh, you know, not blame you. You know, I mean, that just that's just part of the deal being an intern. You know that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, caller, are you there? I am, and uh, who am I speaking with? The freaking host of the show. Who, who'd you think you'd be talking to? Our our temporary, uh, you know, co-host. That's that Tem never happened. Temporary, permanent co-host. Whatever. N no. Uh, well, if this is Spud, then. I wanted to discuss what you were talking about on the show a little earlier about okay. single men and about how tough it is to yeah. find a date these Excellent, days. excellent. Uh, it was interesting, it really right? It is hard, and those of us dealing with this don't appreciate others being judgmental and, well, you know, making jokes about our situation. Well... I mean, caller, I mean, this is a talk show, so I have to say something about the topics we discuss. I, I just can't be Switzerland and not take a stand on stuff. And, you know, as, as far as those incel dudes I was talking, you know, from that article, I was... Anyway, um, I, all right, you're not one of them, are you? I mean, well, you know, because it seems to me blaming women for not dating guys in this scene is like blaming someone for passing on getting a cold. I mean, what's the upside? Colds are a drag. They are not our friend. A, a caller, if I can ask, if you are one of those incellers, you really should take a good look at yourself in the mirror. 
besides personal grooming habits, you also may not be presenting your best self. You, you may have a, a dark cloud over you that screams to women that they need to stay away from you. Can I ask, Have you? Uh, do you have facial hair? What does that have to do with anything? Well, it just seems that, you know, those hipsters, I think that's what they're called. Okay. They, uh, yeah, they all seem to be out of control with their facial hair. Some who appear to be like hobos or something. Now, what a decent single woman would want to see and to settle down with is somebody who does not look like a vagrant or somebody with no job or assets. I'm buying my condo, and I don't have facial hair. Okay. I did once when I was younger, but it never really filled in. But I don't think that is a factor for most of what is, in my estimation, millions of men who are now struggling to have a social I don't know, life. I don't know about millions, but yeah. We are basically locked out of the game. It's okay. like we have uh, cooties and no women will come near us, like meet up somewhere out in public. It's, you know, a very serious problem. Uh, well, at least for me it is. What's with you, Joha? Caller, incels are described as very disturbed individuals. They often express their dislike of women online while at the same time doing their best to date them. So what is it? Do you hate women, or do you want to go out with them? Well, first of all, I don't think I'm one of those incels. Sure. I've seen pictures of some of those guys, and most of them are very unattractive. I don't look like some male model on The Bachelor show, but I feel like I'm okay in the looks department. Okay, all right. All right. And there's no logical reason. I mean, I can't find anyone to go out with me. I said... Your hair looks stupid. You know, I, I found that self-evaluation uh, of one's own looks or, or attractiveness uh, can be a bit off, you know, when you do it, you're, you're doing it yourself. I mean, that, that point was pounded home to me, and it was a very painful lesson. So if you are like most of us guys, you know, trying to find someone to go out with you, you know, um, I don't know. I mean... You're just going to have to figure out some angle to make up for lacking in the looks thing, you know? How about like, this is what this was said to me on multiple times. If my personality was better, uh, it could have evened things out a little bit, you know? And, and from our conversation, it sounds like you're like 0 for 2 on both of those areas. So may, maybe you should hire some guy who is skilled, you know, in this whole dating thing to improve your skills. Because if I was like totally unable to find any woman to go out with me, uh, I would just try just about anything to change my luck. Hire somebody to take me, give me a date? Yeah, it's just an yeah, idea. That, that's uh, pretty desperate, don't you think? What the hell do you have to lose? Well, you know, no more desperate than calling into a radio show to whine about your lack of a love life, man. <laughs> fair point, fair point. Yeah, okay. Maybe I am being unrealistic on what type of woman I'm interested in dating. Okay. I, I prefer tall blondes, or, or I would be okay with a brunette. I just okay. ask that they be height-weight proportionate. They don't have to be Margot Robbie hot, but... I would settle for somebody like Kaylee McEnany. Oh, the, the the fox lady. Uh, hmm. Well, let me ask you though, your your the height weight thing. Uh, how much do you weigh? I mean, if you're if you're gonna be a weight Nazi, uh, it's a valid question. 
I don't know. You know, I'll acknowledge that my doctor has told me I need to lose a few pounds. Uh, okay. I'm on the DASH diet right now as my blood pressure has been spiking. Well, caller, I suggest you get your own house in order, weight-wise, before you judge any woman for her body type. If this guy isn't one of those incel guys now, he's sure headed there soon. What a dick. You hey, dick! You don't, you don't know me, lady. Uh, who are you, anyways? Well... She happens to be my Aunt Dorothy. That's right. And she's one of the smartest well, women I have ever known. If she says you're a dick, then you're a dick. Yes! Dorothy is the best judge of character that I know. Caller, you're kind of pitiful. That's right. I have to agree with our intern chance on that one. Caller, have you ever checked into one of those uh, like blow-up dolls I mentioned earlier? I mean, that, that might be your most realistic option. Mm-hmm. And if it doesn't work for you, well, I mean, you can still use it in, you know, for carpool lanes. Yeah, I was hoping I could get some usable advice by calling into this show. And what a waste of my time. You know, I, I would agree with it was a waste of everyone's time. So why don't you like go back online, maybe on that four or eight channel chan or whatever, the septic tank website, I don't know what it's called, and just bitch some more. I'm hanging up now, Spud. You know, and I've seen what you look like on your show's website. And you may not be an incel yourself, but I'm pretty darn sure you can relate to being rejected by most women. Uh, okay. Maybe I mean, as some, far as being handsome, I wouldn't cast the first stone. You know, anyways, i got to go, as I have more important things to do than look, talk there, to there's, you. There's no, there's no way you're going to hang up on me. That is my role as host. No caller has the authority to hang up first, uh, unless they're a celebrity. Then, then, yeah, I mean, I'll allow that. I mean, somebody please dump the call right now. Too late, y'all. I believe he already hung up. He beat you by a few seconds. Uh, it's nothing to get upset about, Spud. He knows he broke the rules. He he should be banned from calling in for at least 30 days. 30 days? Yeah. That's like telling Japan that they could get a do-over after Pearl Harbor. Well. No, there must be swift and decisive action taken against that guy. You know, we ha- we have his, his number on caller ID. Now here's the deal. I am going to mount a serious phone prank campaign against him all weekend long. I don't have anything else planned. Oh boy, he is in for a weekend of total hell. Well, he asked for it, right? Uh, okay That's then. That's true. I am Spud Goodman. Be all that you can be, and I mean that. God bless and ciao. Bye-bye. Uh, you know, I really do feel sorry for him now. The Spud Goodman Show was written and directed by Spud Goodman. Executive producer, Lori Madsen. Associate producer, T.J. Pites. Video director, Jason W. Young of Random Whispers Studios. Production assistants, Brian Martin and Chance Morrison. Original music by Mike Spots and Tom Harmon. On-air talent, Rob McGee, David Deere, Pam McGee, and Tom Nolan. Copyright 2022, Spud Goodman Productions. David Brenneman speaking.